Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Friday, November 26th, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max for now the official one-year anniversary of the pod. Uh, Happy fake Thanksgiving, as Max likes to call it, to all of our friends down south. Um, Yeah, I'm feeling really good, Max. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm disappointed. I had to postpone our pod for a day as yesterday would have been the exact one year mark of when we dropped our first episode. I checked shortly ago. Alas, that's life. Uh, I'm really happy to be here. I'm, I had to postpone it yesterday because I got a last minute call to do a hockey broadcast, which is something I'm doing because we set this pod up a year ago. And I was having a chat with a friend the other day. He was asking how I was doing. And I kind of just stopped and let the first thing that came to my mind spit out. And that was like, I still can't believe this is my life sometimes. I mean, in this Western world, we go to kindergarten as four-year-olds. And then for us, whose parents pretty much decided we were going to university, that's our entire life till we graduate with our bachelor's degree. And then for some of us, it goes on even longer than that. But basically the entire period of our consciousness, awareness, sentience, uh, we've been students. So it takes a, more than a few months to make that transition, something I'm sure you might have noticed as well. That was an incredibly long roundabout answer of telling you how I'm doing. But Living my life and doing well, thanks. How are you, Oh, I'm good, man. You just you springboarded right into the deep end. There. And uh, hey, that's a what a podcast habit. is for, right? Yeah. It gives you the opportunity to speak your mind. I'm doing well. Like you, I get it. I still feel like a student um, in the way that I just continue to learn in my job now. Like, I feel like we never stop learning. So there's, there's not too much that changes in that regard, but uh, I'm doing really well. I enjoyed some fantastic Thanksgiving football yesterday. Fantastic. Thanksgiving football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's American football. Anyway, go on. Yeah. I, uh, I enjoyed just having that day uh, to look back it was a slower day at work because we do a lot of our business in the states so got to chill a little bit and enjoy that and uh looking forward to this weekend we got our first snow of the year here in london um so it put me in the the holiday spirit so to say i'm, I'm looking forward to bumping out the tunes and possibly throwing on a christmas movie or two this weekend oh you're just like your mom i guess it's <laughs> we're past remembrance day at least yeah yeah, I, I'm still traumatized by those car rides. I will not allow, allow anyone in my house to play Christmas music until it's December. And that's largely your mom's fault. Yeah, she really does love it. I guess the, the one other thing that's got me in the holiday spirit was Marvel's uh, release of the TV show Hawkeye on Disney+. Plus. Um, it's kind of a holiday theme. It takes aspects of home alone lost in New York in some regards if you think about it that way where uh obviously built around a superhero built around that whole adventure but he has to be in home in time for Christmas <laughs> and so uh definitely going to enjoy that as in the coming weeks as we move along here <laughs> nice nice but until next Wednesday where I eagerly await that episode 
lots of sports to consume and lots of sports to talk about here uh, on our Friday night. Uh, I'm going to do a brief recap of the Thanksgiving football I watched yesterday in my football fan cave. Uh, we got some basketball quickly to talk about and a little bit of talking hockey to wrap things up. Should be short and sweet uh, to let everyone get on to their weekends and enjoy, but I'm going to jump right into it here. The NFL scheduling three solid games that I think, ah, you know what? I can't even do it. I can't even prop up these games. The first one was absolutely dreadful. And the last one could have been better maybe two years ago, even last year. But Trevor Simeon as a quarterback of the Saints really like just brought down the value of this game. And then of course, missing their two starting running backs in Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, just New Orleans was not what they normally are. And, and it was pretty disappointing. The only game that saved this day was the Dallas Cowboys and the Vegas Raiders, but that game was ruined by terrible officiating. So overall, okay. nice to turn the brain off and watch some sports on, on American Thanksgiving, but I don't know if the product was necessarily there. And while the refereeing took over this game, I think it's a pretty big issue for the NFL because the stats coming out today is saying that is the largest watched NFL game since 1990 uh, on on uh, cable, which okay. is huge with all the cord cutters, right? Yeah. That's that's a big number for them. But I guess when people like are gathered around, given game watched, you mean? I think it was the largest one like, watched, the, like regular season. Yeah. yeah okay. Was, yeah. I wasn't sure if you were saying it was beating out like every no, Super Bowl be, ever. Wouldn't beat out the Super Bowls. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay, yeah. So. Largest. Pretty mind-blowing stuff. And if your product's on display and it's getting ruined by uh, phantom holding calls, there's basically a flag on every play at, at one point in, in the third quarter there. And it just kind of blows up the pace of the game. And for any of the casual fans, it's a lot of like what hockey's struggling with is there's so many technical rules in football that fans won't understand. And so when you've got a bunch of penalties dominating the game, it really turns those casual fans off of the game. Um, so not, not the best product that they wanted to put out there yesterday. I saw a tweet um, from a reporter of the owner. I'm struggling to track it down, but it was something to the extent of the Cowboys owner of like with 28 calls uh this team's offense was just chuck the ball up for the long pass and hope to get interference i was curious if you thought that was just like salty coping or what the raiders did so the, the type of pass interference as it goes by the rule book it was a penalty that and dallas cowboys had a franchise record in penalty yards uh, yesterday as well which probably doesn't help the uh the frustration of, of the organization but that particular call that iced the game, um, it was like third and long, third and 15, something like that. 33-yard uh, pass hits the back of the defending player's helmet while he's trying to play defense. Uh, it's pass interference because you have to turn around and play the ball in the NFL. I kind of disagree with the way the rule is designed. I think you should be able to play the man, and then if the ball just hits you while you're in between them and not making too much contact. It should just be an incomplete pass. It should be on the quarterback to throw a better pass. But as the rule is set right now, if the ball hits off your helmet, hits off your shoulder pads, and you're not turned around looking to play it, 
it is a pass interference. I don't, I don't disagree with that call. Um, when it was made, a couple of other ones more questionable, but in the end there, Dallas, like their offense was pretty brutal for the majority of this game. Like one of their touchdowns was a kick return from Tony Pollard. Um, and it was really a, a last minute drive that really bailed them out from losing uh, and then, of course, they ended up doing so in overtime, which is really tough for this team, who's now dropped three of four, all to the AFC West, best division in football. Uh, <laughs> and then now they look in their rearview mirror, and, and the Philadelphia Eagles are on a bit of a heater right now. Uh, they there might be some jitters there in Dallas. They started out very strong and now uh, have started to falter in this season, and who knows? They do get an extra bit of time now playing a game on Thursday for next Sunday uh, in order to prepare for their ma next matchup, but not the same dominant force that we saw early on in the season. And a big part of that this week was they're missing Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, their number one and number two receivers. Uh, the Lions and the Bears preceded this game. Not much to say. It was just a brutal game. Uh, Andy Dalton. It was the star in this one throwing for over 300 yards, but he's the only one who really put up any sort of stats. It was a really, really poor quarterback game. And overall, just these two teams are not good. Uh, and it's tough that this was the match to start it all, but the Lions always have to play on Thanksgiving and they're never good. So that's always a tough one to start the day. They're now 0-10-1. The last game they won was December 6th, 2020. Uh, so we're reaching that that one year point almost, and their best shots, I guess, looking at their schedule the rest of the way, they do play the Broncos, they do play the Seahawks and the Falcons. Those are probably their three best shots. And then after that, I would say week 18 against Green Bay. If if the Packers are in a good spot playoff wise, then they could just be playing their their second stringers. And that is where Detroit would have a chance. You imagine that like the most watched game of the week in week 18 Detroit tries to get one win in the season again Green Bay like playing their third stringers or something with injuries yeah I hope we get that that would be a fantastic storyline it's it's been a very very brutal season for the Lions they do have the tie so they will not be the first team in NFL history go 0 in 17 well they might be just not this season <laughs> It's <laughs> very true. But Dan Campbell, the head coach of the Lions, was on the 0-16 Lions team that did it uh, about a decade ago. And he now could go 0-16 and 1 as a head coach. So yikes. Just yikes. Wow. All right. Last game of the night, the Bills and the Saints. Again, not much to say on this one. Uh, you could tell from the opening drive, the Bills set the tone. Um, they get a, a, a short stoppage on the saints and their drive and then go down the field great short passing game spread the ball out a uh, couple of outside runs with matt Breida, uh who's a speed guy not really running between the tackles to run between the tackles they used josh allen who had a couple big runs uh they i said that they were going to start using him more last week against the colts they didn't do so uh and so i guess they rectified that by by leaning on him a little bit more in this game was really effective. Dawson Knox gets that opening drive touchdown and, and the Bills just roll from there, winning 31 to six, a big dominating performance by them and sets them up well now with an extra little, little mini buy here um, to head into their big matchup with New England next week, which will decide that AFC East 
uh, first place position. They play twice in the month of December, and that is definitely the two matchups that I have circled on the calendar uh, heading forward into that month uh, with those two teams neck and neck. Speaking of the New England Patriots, uh, they are my first Sunday game preview that I want to jump into right now. Uh, they are taking on the Tennessee Titans. It, this is the Titans are the team that basically ended the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick partnership when they eliminated the Patriots in, in wildcard weekend uh, after the Patriots had that stunning loss to the Miami Dolphins to end the season and fell out of a bye into the Titans path and, and lost to them there. Mike Vrabel used to play on the Patriots with Tom Brady and under coach Belichick and knows a couple tricks that Bill likes to use and, and had used them in that playoff game. So a great matchup between these two minds and a battle of really tough physical football teams. They can run the ball well on both sides. Obviously, the Titans missing Derrick Henry, but even without him, they have managed to scrape together some production uh, from a series of, of different backs. The winner of this game, and it's it's pretty simple to say, but who can turn the ball over? Uh, both these defenses have been really effective at rushing the quarterback and generating pressure and uh, forcing turnovers from there. I'm going to favor, favor the Patriots here. Obviously, they're on a on a bit of a roll right now and the Titans coming off a brutal loss to the Texans. But I also think anytime Belichick has more than a week to prepare for games, you have to give him the upper edge. And uh, the Patriots last played on Thursday night football against the Falcons. So he gets those extra three days to prepare for this upcoming match. And he doesn't want to get beat by Vrabel twice. So uh, I'm, I'm leaning towards the Patriots here to win this one. Looking forward to it. Next game on the docket here, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Indianapolis Colts. Of course, the Colts coming off a huge win and the Buccaneers uh, coming off a restorative win against the New York Giants after losing the Washington football team the week prior. And this essentially is going to be a matchup between Jonathan Taylor, the best running back in the league right now, who is healthy uh, with his outstanding performance last week against a very solid Buccaneers run defense um, a strength on strength here looking forward to that matchup and a, a quick tidbit to throw in here Tom Brady has not lost to the Colts since 2009 so it could be a bit of a ownership thing here where he just performs well against this team uh, so looking forward to seeing what he does this Sunday uh, next one on the docket Max might interest you in this one the Los Angeles Rams and the Green Bay Packers in okay. a heavyweight title fight between two of the NFC's top teams and, and two of their top offenses, we get to see Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, with two weeks of preparation under the bill because the Rams had a bye last week. Uh, him and Cooper Cup going out there. One of them will be up against Jair Alexander on the other side for Green Bay. That is a top receiver, top corner matchup. But then, of course, on the other side, Devonte Adams against Jalen Ramsey. Whenever these two play against each other, it is always super, super fun. This is maybe like a top two receiver versus a top two corner in the league. Uh, these guys are all class, all pro players. Uh, this is going to be a really fun matchup. And Matt Stafford and Aaron Rodgers have history in their matchups. Going back to Stafford's Detroit days, they used to play each other twice a year. Uh, so looking forward to seeing these two guys sling it out all over the field. And I, I think this can be a pretty high scoring game and I'm really looking forward to it. Last one here, a uh, 
a little bit more disappointing compared to the others, but Cleveland and Baltimore, this is a critical game. This is a, this is a must win game for the Cleveland. Otherwise they may follow the playoff picture here. And they've been dealing with a couple injuries on the offensive side, of course, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, and then Baker Mayfield has been playing through a multitude of injuries. Uh, this one, in my opinion, is going to come down to a battle of defenses. The Browns pretty effective at, at stopping the run and they'll have to do so of course against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens and then on the other side the Ravens defense has kept them in these games for quite a few weeks in a row now uh, this is two teams that are divisional opponents um, they've already played each other and I imagine this one's going to be pretty close and pretty low scoring uh, so the under is where I lean on this one that's it for the NFL looking forward to those games on Sunday uh, to close out a an American Thanksgiving weekend. And I guess the last bit of news here, Max, I, I wanted to throw your way was we found out today the draw for the European qualifying for the World Cup. Uh, they, they do have play-in games for a lot of the third-seeded teams in their pools when they're qualifying. And we have found out today that Italy and Portugal have ended up in the same play in bracket. So only one of those teams will be going to the World Cup and one of them wow. will not. That's amazing that that can happen. Yeah, the two previous European champions, uh, Euro Cup winners, obviously Italy last year, and then, or I guess technically this year, <laughs> even though it was Euro 2020, played in Euro 2021, and then Portugal, of course, winning back in 2016. Shocking that their programs can fall, but it shows the depth of talent of teams in uh, European World Cup qualifying and it is going to be interesting to see if, A, they get into that matchup. I believe that Turkey and Macedonia are the other two teams in that bracket. Uh, but once they meet, uh, a lot of legacy here on the line, especially for Cristiano Ronaldo. It could be his last World Cup. Who knows? Wow. Yeah. Big one to watch there. These deciding games for the World Cup, I mean, you, as Canadians who just have been bred to assume our team will lose those games and not really think much of it and then we watch the world cup every four years or whatnot and just see all the same teams for the most part and the few we don't take notice of because they're in and out over the years we don't think much of but like whatever happens to from some point of view just making it to the world cup guarantees you a set amount of games uh, and that's there's legacy earned there so like so much at stake there that's like a way 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 more competitive matchup than almost anything you could draw up in the world cup except like the semis and the finals it's very true it's very true and so fireworks on full display uh dundas and <laughs> what <laughs> dufferin is going to be bumping Oh man. <laughs> and yeah. then uh college, college and and Clinton, college and oh, Crawford is gonna be bumping. Yeah, Clash of little Portugal and little Italy and Toronto. <laughs> it's almost like two square areas that are right <laughs> next to each other that are just oh I oh, lock your homes if you're in those areas <laughs> and look into soundproofing. <laughs> yes, yes, lots of cars will be honking that night. Looking forward know. to that. Uh and All then right. Canada announcing their game, uh, their next home game for World Cup qualifying uh, is in Hamilton on January 30th. And when those tickets drop, 
next week, your boy is going to do his best to snag a couple of those. Definitely want to go to that one. Yeah. We'll see if we can get some content out there. All right. That's it for football fan cave. We are on to basketball storylines and uh, I guess people. Yeah. Yeah. You can kick us off with some Raptors stuff. I'll take us around the league and then throw it back to you to end it with a couple notes is what I was thinking here. Sounds good. Um, The Raptors getting their best performances out of precious Achua as of late, he started to really, figure out his role and become more comfortable in this team. He was pretty frenetic and, and loose with the ball early on this season, but really efficient against the Grizzlies a couple nights ago with 17 points on 7-11 shooting three of three from three. <laughs> that always helps. Uh, he's not typically a three-point shooter, but I guess he had a couple open looks, knock those down. And then I, I tuned in for the fourth quarter here where the Raptors essentially went on like a 20 to four run against Memphis. Um, Besides Ja, no one could create anything on that Memphis team. And on the other side, they ran the same play about four times. And it was a Fred Van Vliet layup. It was a Fred Van Vliet assist to Pascal Siakam. It was a Fred Van Vliet three. And then it was another Fred Van Vliet layup. Like he just picked the Grizzlies apart late in that game. They kept attacking Brandon Clark and then uh, also attacking Jaron Jackson Jr., late in that game uh yeah and then Gary Trent Jr. of course making some incredibly clutch shots as he normally does in these games for the Raptors uh overall really solid performance to come back when they were down double digits to get up by double digits in that fourth quarter and and really take one from a Memphis Grizzlies team that I've been really excited about but they're still going through their young growing pains uh and and that was really evident in that game late For sure. I'm happy you mentioned the Grizzlies, actually, because I can segue that well into the Timberwolves, who I know you have at least one thing to say about. But um, this is going to be a quick run through of who's hot and who's not in the NBA right now, looking at a couple big streaks going on. I want to kick it off with the Minnesota Timberwolves, who have played their way back to 500, going on a five-game win streak. And... um, a mix here winning the games they need to win against the pelicans and i think it was the thunder they also did beat the grizzlies i believe yes i and then they had a couple of wins that you need to take you past that point about oh the kings were the other team so the, they get wins against the kings and the pelicans fairly easily and then the grizzlies win a massive blowout and then uh, two surprising wins as well. One coming against the Heat and, oh man, the fifth one's fading for me. This is why I get for not taking detailed notes. Anywho, as a team, their defense has been absolutely stellar in these past five games. They've held their opponents below 40%. Almost all of them, I think 42 was the highest anyone got. Carl uh, Anthony Towns has been a really consistent scorer for them. Patrick Beverly, huge defensive numbers a lot of these nights and decent enough backup point guard production to play second fiddle to D'Angelo Russell, who along with Anthony Edwards has been doing a nice job forming the core of this team along Anthony Towns' steadiest, highest scoring. So they're getting good offense from those guys and then their supporting players have stepped up as a team, just really solid defense. 
Uh, it seems like a team that's kind of figured out its system, its role, what it wants to do, how it wants to play, and is doing a better than normal job of executing all that right now. Yeah, I, I don't know what was said, um, but they have started sharing the ball just a little bit more, and that was the concern we had as soon as a week ago where I said it was my turn, your turn on offense for these guys. Uh, don't look at that video I sent you just yet. We're going to save that for oh, for okay. a couple more minutes from now. Um, but yeah, this Timberwolves team, they start sharing the ball and they've got so much offensive talent that all these guys can do so much. And I just want to take this moment here to have a brief moment of silence for Gabe Vincent of the Miami Heat. You saw this dunk, right, Max? You posted this one. <laughs> that is one of the most athletic, disrespectful, brutalizing punishments into the crust of the earth dunks I have ever seen in a professional basketball game. Uh, Anthony Edwards takes off. His one against Utah was pretty savage last year against the Raptors. Um but this one, I don't know, man. Like, his nuts were all in that dude's face. And the ref had the audacity to take that moment away and call an offensive foul. In, in, in those situations, a dunk like that comes around maybe once every five years. You have to let the play go, man. Like, that was just simply incredible. He demolished that dude. And the, the crowd, like, you could feel it late, like, if you watch the extension of that highlight, the crowd was buzzing for about three or four possessions after that happened. And Miami, really quick thinking, they inbound the ball so that Memphis, or pardon me, Minnesota didn't have time to even challenge. And it's like it never happened. Um, maybe the greatest dunk to not count. <laughs> That's where I'll leave it. Unbelievable. Quick corrections from me. That Timberwolves winning streak went Kings, Spurs, Grizzlies, Pelicans, Heat, uh, down 117 to 95 right now against the Hornets with about seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. That win streak looks set to lose. Something quick of note, it's really been defense that won all those games. 97, the Kings got. 90, the Spurs got. 95, the Grizzlies got. 96, the Pelicans. And just 101 for the Heat. So with the Hornets at 117, uh, that's the outlier or the break in the pattern. And I imagine that not would, having that same defensive success probably. I would also say the, the Hornets are probably the the most offensively prolific out of all of those teams yes. that you just mentioned. So it definitely was some matchup uh, yeah. luck. And we'll get into that more as we talk about these teams that are streaking right now. The yeah, last piece of news that just came up on my phone is John Morant has exited um, his game tonight with a non-contact injury was helped to the locker room. <sighs> Hope everything is good there because that would be just a brutal uh, player to lose in this season. He's so much fun to watch that that'd be a tough hit for fans. 
Yeah, and would be a huge blow to the Grizzlies. Losing your star player makes yeah. life incredibly challenging, especially if you're a team that's already struggling with injuries. Just ask the Denver Nuggets, who have been without Nikola Jokic their last three, which has not helped their five-game skid, though I think they've actually played better in two of those losses than they did in the first two losses with him of this five-game skid. Uh, it's just clear that it's team without Jamal Murray, without Michael Porter Jr. on it, as amazing as Jokic is, he can only do so much. Dropping 30-plus points, getting 15-plus rebounds, six, seven, eight assists, that's still not enough if players on the team can't create their own offense, and no one does enough of it consistently, at least on this losing streak. Uh, Aaron Gordon has been great for a secondary i understand he's a core starting lineup but like to the superstar the number one engine on the team he's second fiddle and in stepping up he's been decent but he can't reach that level uh he had like a 10 of 12 field goal night against the bulls but still that was the game they probably played the best in this losing streak but still can't match the offense of that team and the defense a bit lacking to stop them uh, very different from how they started early in the season where defense has been something they've hung their hat on uh, just a wrist sprain it seems to be game to game not quite clear when he'll be back so if you're a Nuggets fan you're hoping sooner rather than later at least he can hide a lot of the bleeding if not stop it for this team all right I think we'll just keep moving along then to the East. Uh, we knew it would happen. It just seemed like too ridiculous a thing to be true to see the Bucks under 500 and out of a playoff spot. So a five-game win streak gets them back into the playoffs and above 500. Their big three are now all playing games together. Uh, Drew still inconsistent. Middleton still trying to find his health. Um, get his production numbers up a little but just having those guys are going to space the floor for you give the offense some different looks um, having said that their five game win streak comes against the lakers thunder a back-to-back -back against the magic and the pistons we talked about that lakers game already um, if you're the bucks you have to beat those four teams so Great to see them doing better, getting the ball rolling, but less of a story than I thought here. Yeah, they, it, we knew that this team would turn around. Um, obviously, it's some get-right gains against some lesser competition, but there's no sweat about this team. They always perform, dealing with some injuries, dealing with some COVID issues. They're going to find their groove with the continuity and, and the talent that they have on their roster. Giannis gives you everything that you need night to night. Um, love the quote from him this week about dunking Oreos and milk was game changer for him. Uh, so we're officially dubbing this week, the Giannis Oreo in milk week um, helped him propel his team to this five game win streak. And yeah, like they've gotten great performances out of Grayson Allen and now they don't need him as that great performer in the starting lineup. When you, just plug Middleton right in front of him in the rotation. And maybe you plug in DiVincenzo uh, when he's healthier into this lineup. They've got a lot of great pieces to put around Giannis and they're just going to keep winning. In my opinion, this was just 
almost like a little tune-up mini streak for them on, on a weaker part of their schedule. Yeah, and it also goes to show if you have a schedule like this where you get four or five games in a row like that, it means there are other parts that have been not so kind and that some part of their early season. So it all balances out. All right, moving along, kind of the last team I want to talk about in any depth here, the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, when we did our check-in, they were on the down and outs. Since then, a six-game win streak. Again, not the most impressive of competition. The Bucks, the Magic, the Celtic, the Hornets, the Thunder, and the Spurs. That was a Bucks team without Middleton, their last loss before the five-game win streak we just talked about. But uh, offensively, two trends. It seems to be either one or the other for them in these wins. Either Trey Young drops 30 points, seven to 10 assists, and uh, that's good enough for them. Or as a team, they have five to six players getting really close to the 20-point mark and just drown the other team in varied production. Either way, this in all those games, their field goal percentage are ridiculous, north of 50, most of them. Uh, offensively, they just seem to be on fire. Uh, maybe the biggest advantage is that like Kevin Herter might be having an off night. Trey Young might be having an off night as well. They're still going to have Collins, um, Capella, Gallinari, Bogdanovich. Like three of those four guys are probably going to give you 20, even when that happens. And a couple other deeper players will step up, which I'm sure is no surprise to you as you were, I don't know what the word is, in awe of this team's depth uh, when we were just getting set for the season. Yeah, I preached it from the beginning of the season. I'll say it again now. This team has 15 guys who could be in an eight-man rotation in the NBA, a uh, ton of talent up and down the lineup, a bunch of guys that can score uh, and fill a multitude of roles. And what this team has done now, like I said during our check-in, they've started to put guys in those roles. It's about sacrificing a little bit of your own numbers in order to fit the role that helps a team win games. And that's what they've done. Um, there's some weaker teams on this schedule, uh, but overall some, some quality wins in there against teams like Milwaukee and, and Boston and, and even Charlotte, who, who has been playing up to top tier teams this season. Yeah. I'd say Charlotte, a more impressive win than the Celtics right now where we are in the season, but yeah, the Celtics have been playing some solid defense as of late. So beating them is, is, is a nice win to have under your belt. And yeah, the guys are starting to fall into place. The hierarchy has now been established on this team and with their level of talent, like the bucks, I see them rising to the top of the East. All right. I don't have much to say on this, but of note, the Brooklyn nets have now risen to the first spot in the East on a four game win streak, uh, one, two game skid by the bulls, wizards and heat they're all within two games um but the net's on top right now yeah yeah uh shout out kevin durant passing Allen iverson for 25th all time in scoring uh but the big news for him this week was the meme circulate circulating circulating geez uh late friday i guess i'm i'm pretty pooped he, he needs some lotion on his legs and he clapped. Up. I don't know if you saw his tweet in I response. 
<laughs> he's just so fed up with the internet man that was that was a pretty funny moment you just gotta I laugh i don't know what the two stats i'm magnitude of fame and like how annoyed you get at internet comments or the internet's opinion of you oh, i've never there. seen anyone like oh, yeah. hit the ratios as hard as kevin durant yeah he may be one of the most popular people in the world to actually respond to people who subtweet him <laughs> it's pretty great uh yeah okay last bit of basketball here max now you can pull out your phone Go over to Instagram where I, I DM'd you a highlight. Um, college basketball is underway. And I know I talked about some prospects last year. Uh, really excited when I was sharing Cade Cunningham. Um, who, who else was I, I talking about? I, I guess we had Evan Mobley in there as well. So I'm watching it again here. So uh, that is, I have Max watching Chet Holmgren right now, the projected number one pick in this year's draft. Uh, I believe he's 7-4. And he alters that shot, dribbles the ball up the court in transition, hits a mean change of direction behind the back move on the opposition center and throws down a nice two-handed dunk. Um, yeah, the, this is the future of the NBA, Max. I mean, you've seen Evan Mobley with the perimeter skills he has. You look at Cade Cunningham, you look at Jalen Green, uh, you look at Scotty Barnes, all bigger wings with some playmaking ability. Uh, this is the future. The top three picks in this year's draft are all 6'8 or taller and can all score in a multitude of ways. Of course, Chet Holmgren, you saw that highlight just there. He can step outside and score the three. For his size, he can dribble quite effectively. I don't think in the NBA you're going to see him doing too much dribbling. It's just tough when you're that big and you have guys swarming you, but um, he's got great footwork in the post and like elite, elite rim protection. He He's going to average like at least two blocks a game in the NBA. He loves protecting the rim and he's done so early for Gonzaga. Uh, and they just destroyed UCLA uh, last Saturday in the matchup between the number one and number two teams in the country. It didn't even look close. Um, and then of course we've got Paolo Boncaro uh, at Duke looking forward to seeing them square off tonight. We got Gonzaga Duke tonight might be a fun one to tune into, uh, but at six ten. He looks a little bit like Carmelo out there on the court, really smooth mid-range game. He can attack in transition. He also is a, is a solid defender with his length and size and, and a great NBA body to grow into. And then the last guy here, uh, Jalen Duran. Uh, he has been fantastic at Memphis early on this season. And, and the team hasn't produced the same as people, like the amount of hype surrounding Memphis is huge right now because uh, they also have the 2023 projected first overall pick in Imoni Bates, who has been basically prophesized as the next Kevin Durant since he was in the ninth grade. Um, people have been waiting on him for a while and he's shown some flashes at Memphis, but I think he's really going to make use uh, an extra year of college to play before he's eligible for the draft. But yeah, just a bunch of really big dudes with great perimeter skills. I look forward to diving more into college basketball and the prospects as we move along this season. Uh, we've also got Jaden Hardy in the G League to take a look at, and then some other guys deeper down the draft board that I'm going to highlight later on this season. But yeah, the Chet Holmgren hype was big this week, and I wanted you to get a little sample of why. 
Thank you for that. Looking forward to seeing more. I think we can wrap basketball storylines up for now, though, and move along to the end of this show. Uh, you've got a bit of talking hockey for us here. Yeah, so the Leafs called up Kyle Clifford uh, for their game against the Los Angeles Kings, of course, his old former team. Didn't really do much in that game. The biggest takeaway out of this game was those tinfoil terrible helmets of the Los Angeles Kings. I thought my eyes were going to blind out, um, maybe a couple specks of blood in there. Just hard to see, really terrifying stuff. I'm usually not someone who cares too much about ugly jerseys or I myself a am not brand for you. I know I have, I have a terrible eye for anything fashion or art related, but just even someone as brutal as me could tell that, that those helmets were bad and did not play well on television. I don't know if there's a lighting at crypto.com arena or Staples center, sorry, or crypto.com arena. Uh, but the helmets were bad and uh, the hockey was was not great either from the Kings as the Leafs go in and, and take that big road win. They play against the Sharks tonight at 1030. Um, the other big fun thing that came out of this game, I don't know if you've seen the Austin Matthews mic'd up clips, uh, yeah. but after the goals, telling the boys he loved them. Uh, and then the look of awe on his face when Jason Spezza came to the bench after ripping a clapper uh, on the power play. This is what the NHL needs more of. Like people love the mic'd up clips of guys in the NFL, guys in the NBA. The NHL needs to market their stars more like this. That is how the league is going to take off. And that's where they're getting left in the dust by other competing professional leagues. Uh, so just wanted to highlight that this is something we need a lot more of because it was gold. It blew up. People loved watching Austin uh, <laughs> talk and love to see the interactions between players on the bench and on the ice in between whistles so uh, i think that's got to be the next step that the nhl takes and i'm going to push it from here and you'll see a lot of it pushing from twitter uh, but looking forward to seeing more of that content as the season moves along all right some quick notes here the wild blew out the jets 7-1 blackhawks get the ot win over the blues 3-2 the canes continue their league-wide dominance with a 6-3 win over the flyers rangers continuing to make that playoff push as they beat out the Bruins 5-2. We love to see that. The Bruins taking an L and missing out on two points. And the Sabres with a 4-1 lead over the Canadians, looking poised to keep this team at the bottom of the division. The Lightning a 2-0 lead on the Kraken with about 10 to go in the third. And I don't really care about... Oh, I lied. I do care. The Stars are up 3-0 on the Avalanche end of the second. Um, so if you're listening to this on a Saturday morning and you wondered how the NHL games went last night. Now Don't you know. check your phone. Listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. it's, it's good uh, brain development to get your source of news through audio as well as visual means. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you have it. All right. It's been... We didn't do anything special for our one-year anniversary show maybe that comes later down the road maybe we're saving it for our 100th episode special i don't know so no one knows no one really knows not even me not even you it's the fun of life thank you to all our listeners hope you enjoyed this episode we'll be back sunday sports next door signing out